With WandaVision just wrapped and many of its episodes leaving our mouths agape, one might say, this regular occurrence in the series brought about the idea of discussing some of the biggest oh-shit moments we've experienced in entertainment history. Here to discuss some of my most jaw-dropping moments in entertainment, as well as hers, is the wonderful Beppo. How you doing, Beppo? And just to clarify, this is a perfect and definitive list. These are not just opinions. These are the best compilations of the biggest oh shit moments in entertainment history. If your moment isn't on this list, then it's just not the biggest moment and you're the one that's wrong. Sure, let's go with that. (laughs) (laughs) So what we're going to do is we're going to take a handful of moments, uh, each from our list that we've compiled. But first, we do want to do an honorable mentions just in case you're wrong and yours is not the best moment ever. Well, I guess I'll start this off real quick with one of my honorable mentions. As a disclaimer, this is actually one of my biggest oh shit moments. However, uh, I don't think it's very easy to talk about, hence why I bumped it down to an honorable mention. My first one I'm going to mention is from the 2008 movie Martyrs, which is a movie that's part of the new wave French extremity film movement. A... Brief synopsis would be two girls, one of them was kidnapped and tortured as a young girl, and now as adults, her and her best friend are trying to find the people who did this to her and get revenge. Without going into too much craziness about the movie, there's some happiness, there's mostly sadness, few deaths along the way, but at the very end of the movie, one of the characters, after weeks, days, months, it's really uncertain and very unclear, of being tortured, fed nothing but pea soup, and just being beaten every day, they finally decide to skin her alive in order to achieve kind of this euphoric, enlightened stage because they're, they're, they think that if you become a martyr, this organization thinks if you become a martyr and you endure nothing but suffering and pain, you will see the gateway to heaven. And the poor girl is skinned alive and the scene is amazing. She comes and she's wheeled out and she's covered in a big cloak. So you don't really know quite what happened. They chain her up and it pans away and it's very detailed. And I watched that movie not too long ago for the first time and it literally made my jaw hit the floor and I gasped audibly. So that was definitely a huge, probably my most recent oh shit moment that I've had. And because of that, not only has that movie stuck with me, but I have watched it probably another three or four times since the first time watching it back in 2020. So that is definitely a huge honorable mention for me. I think the worst part of any of that is the pea soup. Yeah, no, I think that's the worst part, honestly, is uh, the poor things are fed like one cup of water a day and uh, nothing but pea soup cold blended pea soup. I was like, hmm, yeah, uh, give me the beatings any day because I'm not going to take any pea soup. (laughs) (laughs) My first honorable mention is Jurassic Park, the T-Rex escape. This is an entirely formative moment in cinematic history for me with, I was going to be eight years old that summer. I was just a few weeks away from turning eight and just seeing this monstrous T-Rex on the big screen roaring and tearing up that car and everything about that entire scene is just, it's a masterclass. I'm going to say that word a lot in a lot of these. It's its just amazing to see this. And as eight-year-old kid, uh, almost eight-year-old kid, going in and seeing this and just watching this realistic at the time, assuming it was realistic because we all know that dinosaurs don't look like that apparently anymore. Just, it was incredible. And the, the sound design, the creature design, 
everything about that entire scene is just incredible. And even as an eight-year-old kid, I saw that moment. I was just in awe. And I knew nothing in cinema was going to be the same from that moment. So awesome. I love reflecting back on your first moment uh, and just how much it changes everything from there on. You see movies or games or heck, even books in a completely different light. I definitely did not see uh, a creature feature the same way after that. For sure, I bet. (laughs) My next honorable mention, until we get into the meaty list of it all, this is is kind of my oh shit moment, but it's more of an oh shit and like fangirling, fanboying over it. And actually, I think I can say the same for both of our next honorable mentions is a huge fanboy, fangirl, just yes! My next honorable mention is uh, Into the Spider-Verse, the Doc Ock reveal. There's not much to say about this. Of course, there is a scene with the other dimension, Peter, and uh, Miles, and they're breaking into, oh gosh, uh, Kingpin's kind of like science facility and stuff, and they're trying to steal the computer and things that they need to, you know, save the day. There's this one particular scientist who, she just constantly, she looks frazzled, she's kind of just all over the place, but you know, funny, and I loved her character design, I thought she was super cute, and she's having a conversation with Peter, kind of talking about, you know, what's happening to him, Oh, you know, your molecular, your cells are dying on a molecular level because you're not supposed to be in this dimension and it's fascinating. And she just turns to him and she's like, it's going to be extremely painful. And I, for one, will be so happy to watch. And it's just this moment where even the characters freeze, but I remember freezing in place. And Peter's like, what did you say your name was again? Oh, it's Olivia Octavius. And then just Bam! The, the the arms come out. She's suited up and she's putting on just near goggles and putting her hair up. For one, the design is fantastic. The fact that her hair up looks like an octopus's head, I thought was super clever. But not only that, but like the outfit design is so cool and the type of science that they're working on. And mind you, I'm going to get this so wrong, but the type of biomechanics that they're working on there, everything looks so airy. It's not very mechanical. It's very like organic and kind of bubbly looking. So the fact that her arms are almost like this. They're like inflatable tubes kind of. Yeah, yeah. They're like inflatable tubes and it's just such a cool and clever design. The fact that I did not see that coming whatsoever just made me freak out. Love Doc Ock since I was a little kid. The fact that we had a not only a gender bent, but one that made sense and it wasn't like, oh, I saw it coming from a mile away or of course they're doing a gender bent version. It was such a cool reveal. Still to this day, I am waiting for a mini series in comics about Olivia Octavius so bad. Please, Marvel. Please, Sony. I don't care who. Like, make this happen. I need a comic series about this this woman, this fantastic woman. Yeah, the setup and everything is just astonishing. That again, that's it's a great work in script writing because she's you see her on the film reel that they're watching in class, Miles and Gwen, and when Miles shows up late, yeah, I forgot. You're just about like, oh, that. she's this silly manic scientist person and then you you get like you said you get that twist uh when she starts walk saying she's going to enjoy watching peter b parker decay and just slowly fade away into the multiverse or something and then peter being who he is just kind of clicks it like what's what's your name again and yeah it just it works and flows so well oh shit (laughs) 
And I, I know that's one that we both both definitely enjoyed. So my last honorable mention, again, the, we're trying to keep these brief so we can really get into the meat of the other things. Uh, my last honorable mention is Captain America wielding Mjolnir in Endgame. This was the culmination of 10 years of waiting for Cap to wield it. A friend and I had speculated that Cap would wield it in Age of Ultron. That obviously got a little off point because they ended up letting Vision do it to prove a point. And then they kind of retconned that after the Winter Soldier and Civil War saying that Steve wasn't quite worthy because uh, he had that secret of Bucky and killing Tony's parents. And it just kept lifting it in that moment worked so much better than it did, would have worked if they had done it in Age of Ultron. Cap's my favorite comic book character. It just, it works on every level and it served a great point to allow Cap to be able to go hand to hand with Thanos. Being in the theater for that moment, the eruption of cheering and clapping and just that that feeling of every hair on the back of your neck and arms standing up straight was just such an incredible experience. Not only was it such a cool thing that happened just on screen, the fact that it just Oh, it was just magical. It really was. It was like it was like cinema magic being there in the seat watching it happen for the first time. It was a moment I'm I'm usually pretty stoic with my movie going experiences. I'll just sit and watch and you know, maybe I'll make a a noise or something. But when Cap picked up that hammer and he caught it after hitting Thanos with it the first time and before Thor goes, I knew it, I just started shuffling and dancing in my seat like, oh my god, yes. And it just to kind of Add a little punchline to it. We're, we'll do a, a Avengers Assemble as well. I, I don't care that he whispered it and no one should have heard it. When we finally got that line, again, the theater erupted. And I, I honestly cannot watch that scene without getting chills. It's just such a great moment. Up just now just made my like half my body get goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of goosebumps, let's get into some tenseness here with some... Uh, some early goings on uh your first one okay so my first pick on my oh shit list is spider-man homecoming the vulture reveal more specifically the moment when peter is going over to liz's house and he's gonna pick her up for homecoming and he's so happy because oh yeah my crush actually wants to go with me that door opens and you see adrian opening the door Again, to me, my biggest oh shit moments are when I audibly gasp. That's when I know it really did surprise me. And watching that for the first time, I, oh my God, (laughs) it was such a well done reveal because it wasn't ham fisted. You know, Vulture talks about how he's doing this for his family and he's just a working guy. And so, and he only mentions it like once at the very beginning of the movie. It's, it's punctuated so well with the, we have the montage of him and of Peter and May going and getting him ready for the dance. And it's just this happy jovial moment. And then all of a sudden the air is just let out of everyone not just peter when that door opens and you see adrian tombs at the at the door and just like oh my god right and normally how i could see that going is he picks her up they get to homecoming and see how i normally would see that scene going is you know peter picks her up 
They go to homecoming. They're at the dance. At this point, we pretty much already know that the vulture knows, he knows that Peter is Spider-Man and he would crash the dance. Oh, the, the, the roof got torn off or something like that and yada, yada, yada. Maybe he takes his own daughter or, you know, not own daughter. He takes the girl, the, the classic, you know, Mary Jane getting kidnapped kind of stuff. It's just really typical for not only a superhero movie, but especially a Spider-Man movie. Uh, So the fact that it was just that simple of a reveal, but totally out of left field. Oh my God, that that was so good. And what makes that moment really great too is kind of what you were just saying where the the typical Spider-Man motif would be he crashes the party, kidnaps the girl. But now because we know Liz is his daughter, it kind of removes that from the equation because he's not going to kidnap his daughter to put her in danger. He actually tells Peter straight up that he doesn't want her in danger and the fact that he's Spider-Man puts her in danger so he needs to quit or at least yeah, leave and Liz he, alone. And that's so cool too because like the there's the conversation in the car where he's like hey I know who you are and the only reason I'm not killing you right now is because you're taking my daughter to the dance. Whether or not that was the exact dialogue, I know it wasn't, but it's pretty much implied. It's the implication, yeah. Exactly. Like, hey, just so you know, I can kill you at any moment. Just remember that. And I'm choosing not to right now. That has so much more tension than the hero saving the girl because other than Gwen Stacy in the comics generally things don't go wrong like that you know it, we we know he's going to save the girl and the day the fact that the tension was there more so than anywhere else was just mwah, delicious number two on the list here signs the alien reveal this is again i'm going to use this term quite a bit it's a master class in building suspense it's a, a roughly a 90 second scene everything leading up to it and they even try to play it off a little bit with Joaquin Phoenix's character go move children vamanos then you just get that long holding shot of that walkway with the the cornfield on the side and just 10 to 9 to 10 seconds of nothing and then you just see this alien walk by it's not as not necessarily a scary design but it's that tension and uh, for me aliens freak me the hell out seeing any kind of extraterrestrial being just walking out of a cornfield is gonna scare me but the way they did it here just it, it was perfect no, I agree with you. Uh, this is a movie that, oh, what year did it come out again? Around like the late 90s, early 2000s? I think it was 2002, 2003. Okay, so I was a younger teenager when this movie came out, and I grew up in a pretty conservative household. Not like super bad, but my, my dad was very strict on M-rated games, like none of those in the house, no R-rated movies even PG-13 and T for Teen was kind of questionable. He'd have to read the box, make sure there wasn't anything too bad in it. So Signs was one of my first kind of thriller slash horror movies that I actually got to watch and I watched it with him. I agree with you. The simplicity of the alien is kind of what makes it scarier, in my opinion, because it's not this fanciful, overdone creature feature. He just kind of comes out of those bushes slash the corn and just kind of walks by and that's it. It's so just sudden and natural that it gives it that uncanny feeling of something is definitely wrong. Like that is not human. That's what's so creepy. And I remember my dad, who's also kind of a stoic guy, that freaked him out so much. So it was almost like the fear of him being scared on top of me being scared. (laughs) 
was was you know it, it was so great and yeah just this is just my little nitpick was um I watch a lot of horror movies and one of the things that can really ruin it for me is and it's a, a problem in a lot of modern horror movies where instead of just letting the scare be scary they have to put in those musical stings be it like sudden like boom or you know just overdone music it's like hey let suspense build. Now, when that came out, it wasn't really overdone. It really does have an impact. But I think if the music was really subdued or there was none at all and that happened, because then you kind of feel like it is a home movie. You're there watching the video off of somebody's phone or camcorder and it would just... Oh, man, just thinking about it, I got chills. But otherwise, I think it's a perfectly executed moment. Regardless of your feelings on the movie, I think it's a great cinematic oh shit moment yeah that's a great point the the moment is what we're referring to not necessarily the quality of the entire movie number three on the list is uh this one's gonna be a weird mashup because i have not played this uh visual novel it's more i watched a playthrough of it through the game grumps uh but it's their playthrough of doki doki literature club i feel kind of bad potentially spoiling this it is a very weird moment i was actually watching this in bed and i i woke up my wife i was listening on my headphones and i was just like what the fuck and she's like oh my god what and it, i'm i'm so sorry I, it's nothing important <laughs> this is just a really weird thing that's happening it's in this so really weird well, and game i think it goes without saying i mean spoilers for our entire list so if there's a just movie, a few minutes late <laughs> yeah yeah right so if there's a movie that we have brought up on this list you know obviously feel free to skip forward a little bit until you see the next until you see the next title on the video. I actually got to play through Doki Doki Literature Club before the Grumps did. So that reveal hit me just as hard. It It's wow. And I, I, I read a lot of uh, visual novels along with my fiance. So we're kind of well versed in VNs and, and sound novels, SNs. So this one is definitely a great entry level. If you really liked this and really liked how it went, definitely look into some awesome visual novels a little hint hint nudge nudge jab jab yeah so i just want to give a quick backstory on what led me to this because i was watching one of their more recent visual novels because they tend to be a little bit shorter and i hadn't heard of doki doki literature club but they had referenced it a lot and mostly in a joking fashion so finally i was just like okay i'll go and watch it and then 20 some episodes in i'm like what the hell is so crazy about this game this like nothing is happening and then the very next episode oh my god she's dead what the hell just happened they flip the switch and the game resets in a way they being the game not the game grumps they didn't like reset it the game just kind of continues and wait aaron plays it off to dan too is just what are you talking about the game we're just keep going what what's going on oh god aaron is such an ass <laughs> Like, he knows the whole time it's going to happen, and poor Dan doesn't. And especially if you haven't played the game before or watched it being played, and you go back and watch those first episodes leading up to it, <laughs> the amount of foreshadowing that Dan accidentally does is so great. Because when it all happens, and he's just as shocked as we are, you're just like, wait a minute, you didn't know this was coming? You kind of... 
kind of guessed it without guessing it through jokes. Uh, and then, of course, there from that mid there from that midpoint is just when it gets crazier and crazier and crazier until, of course, the final big reveal of just Monica. I'm not going to go too much into it uh, at this point. Um, this video is running a little long already. But the fact that you have to delete the game and the save file to be able to play it again is just amazing. I love that little detail. Yeah, and uh, side note too, I don't know if... You- I don't remember if the Grumps did this, but if you restart the game but delete Monica's file at the very beginning and start it, then one of the other characters becomes sentient and you can actually get another bad ending because she just goes insane because she can't handle the fact that she knows it's only a game and things aren't real. It's crazy. It's it's so well made. It's such a cool... I cannot wait for the original creator to make a new project. I'm all for that. So my next pick is Breaking Bad. There's so many oh shit moments, but I think my favorite was Gus Fring, his death. Uh, I won't go into a huge recap. Breaking Bad is a huge show. So many people have watched it. So many people love it. Just as a slight refresher, Gus Fring, of course, he's the gentleman who owns the franchise of uh, Los Poyos Hermanos and biggest meth dealer and uh, manufacturer in probably the Southwest easily. (laughs) He ends up hiring Walt and Jesse, reluctantly Jesse. And of course, they start manufacturing for him. But Walt's paranoia is just so bad. He does not trust Gus at all. And he keeps making all these stupid, stupid decisions that makes Gus start to definitely not trust Walt. It gets to this point where he straight up takes him out to the desert and threatens him and says, if you piss me off one more time, if you cross me, I will kill your wife. I will kill your son. I will kill your newborn baby in front of you. Basically, it's don't F with me. So Walt starts going into like, I need to eliminate this guy. There's some attempts here and there, or at least planning that isn't really going quite right. And uh, he goes to visit Hector, who is an old mafioso of Gus's kind of like a longtime enemy. He's in the nursing home and he's talking to him, talking about how, oh, uh, your whole family's dead and I'm responsible for it. And Hector starts dinging his bell, which he does because he can't talk until Gus gets the feeling that something's wrong and the bell is igniting a pipe bomb that's like strapped under his wheelchair and that thing just goes off. Hector basically did like a suicide bombing to get rid of Gus. Gus walks out of the room and you're like, how the hell did you survive that? Like, no way. The camera pans over from his one side to a front facing view and you see that the entire right side of his body is just blown and burned away. You see his like skull fragments and and his skin's just torched off. He adjusts his tie and just falls to the ground dead. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm not a big Breaking Bad fan. I, I, for whatever reason, I could not remember that moment. So I refreshed it when I saw your list and I looked it up and it's just like, oh my God, how did I forget this moment? I remember some people were complaining when it came out. It's like, oh, that's not realistic, blah, 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 blah. Well, one, you'd be surprised what the human body can can live through or at least like adrenaline those last few seconds of life can get you through too it's just satisfying and it's just cool like whatever it's it's fine i thought it was incredible it was 
one of the biggest oh shit moments that I've had watching a TV series. And that's why it's on my list. <laughs> yeah, after going back and seeing that, I, I definitely understand that one. Uh, you got number five as well. Yes. So the last one on my list, this one, you talked about Jurassic Park being kind of your very first oh shit moment, even as a kid. And that's when you knew that that medium of film was going to change forever for you and you knew it wasn't just simple films that you grew up on. This one is that for me, but for video games. My final little pick on my list is Bioshock, the Would You Kindly and Atlas reveals. They kind of go hand in hand. Any of you who have played the game, you know exactly what this means. I don't even have to explain it to you guys. For those who don't know or maybe don't remember, which shame on you. you should <laughs> if you haven't, if you don't need, I've never <laughs> even played the full game and I know what this is and it sticks in my head. Yes. Yep, exactly. <laughs> you play as Jack throughout the game. Uh, you know, you're thrown into this underwater city that's been going through the civil war of gene splicing and, and all this craziness, you know, the, the wealthy versus the poor and overworked. Yada, yada, yada. So at the very beginning of the game, you're contacted by a gentleman, an Irish gentleman named Atlas. And all he wants is your help to get his son and daughter out of Rapture. And so the first half-ish of the game, you're kind of just going around and he'd be like, uh, now, uh, w- would you kindly go f- go find a-, a crowbar and so we can progress through this? And would you kindly do this? And do this, would you kindly? It's just like a verbal tick. He's an Irish gentleman. Whatever. But at that halfway point of the game, when you come face to face with Andrew Ryan, he has this monologue where he's going on about a man chooses, a slave obeys. It's this incredible monologue. Even if you don't play the game, I highly recommend you you listen to it. It's so well delivered and it just it just makes a lot of sense about not only character, but what you think is free will versus what you're conditioned to do. He starts messing with you. He's like, would you kindly... That's a familiar phrase, isn't it? And you have these flashbacks of every time that Atlas has said, would you kindly, would you kindly, would you kindly? His final one to do is, would you kindly go and kill that son of a bitch? Andrew Ryan hands you his golf club that he's been kind of just holding on to and doing a little putting. And he's like, run, would you kindly? Stop, would you kindly? Sit, would you kindly? You know, stand, stuff like that. He hands over the club and says, uh, you know, like, would you kindly kill? You start beating him to death with this uh, this golf club. And the whole time he's just saying, a man chooses, a slave obeys. Holy, oh, that is such a cool moment. And that's when you realize that you've been played with this whole time. But you don't quite know the extent. You just know that for some reason, there's this mental conditioning with would you kindly. And then you go, you shut down the Andrew Ryan, like set an alarm to basically self-destruct the city. You turn that off. Atlas is like, oh, thank God. And he starts laughing. And then his voice just changes over. And you realize that he's actually this fa- this this villain this whole time named Frank Fontaine, who was the guy who started all of the conflict and rapture to begin with, with Andrew Ryan. Not even an oh shit moment, but if I have ever felt more betrayed than learning that Atlas wasn't my friend... <laughs> That entire, what, uh, five to ten minute scene or whatever, that entire five to ten minute scene, it just kept going further and further to making my blood 
run cold. And then that reveal of Atlas being Frank Fontaine. I was just like, no, you were my only friend. I, again, I mentioned earlier that I grew up in a semi-conservative household, so no M-rated games, you know, no R-rated movies, things like that. So when Bioshock came out, I was 17. So I finally got to kind of play M-rated games for the first time. And I want to say that was my first M-rated game back in the day. Other than Halo, when Halo used to be considered M. That was the moment I played a game that changed the entire outlook of on the game from there on out. And even when you went and replayed it, you saw the game in a whole new light. And I tell people, if there's one pop culture moment I wish I could relive, like completely forget about and relive, it's the would you kindly. It's that moment. It's playing Bioshock for the first time. And that for me was the kickoff point of finding games that were deeper than just a base level side scroller or collectathon game, you know, like Banjo Kazooie and Spyro. And that's why I just love psychological twists. TV, anime, games, movies it is all because of Bioshock. It changed the way you perceived anything. Like I said, I haven't played the game in its entirety. I remember I played the demo and it just freaked me the hell out. So I just, I wouldn't play it because I'm not into those kind of games. But I remember hearing about it and looking up clips of it and just seeing that reveal and reading articles about how it changes the way you perceive the game as well as other games because it does raise that question of, well, this is what the game has programmed me to do because that's what the game wants me to do compared to free roaming games or games where you can just kind of do whatever. And I like how it's something like that is actually kind of satirized by uh, Portal 2 because it tells you press A to speak and then your character jumps. And um, side note, Portal 2 is one of my top five favorite games of all time because not only fun, but I love how clever it is and how funny it is. Almost every line of dialogue is either clever, funny, or both. All right. This is the biggest oh shit moment of my life. I've seen a lot of movies. I've seen a lot, played a lot of video games, read a lot of comics, read a lot of, I've, read a few books, I'll say. I don't want to over-exaggerate. I haven't read a lot of books. Whatever you want to call it, the snap, the decimation, the blip from Infinity War takes the cake for me. I am right there with you. This was also on my list. Since we both had it, we wanted to keep it for the finale because it's just such a oh shit (laughs) for both of us. Yeah, you feel that right along with the characters. I went into the movie pretty jaded. I was I was like, Black Panther's gonna live because he just had a movie come out and it made a billion dollars and, you know, they, they need to keep representation, which is a good thing. And Spider-Man's gonna survive because he's Spider-Man, he's got plot armor. Captain America might die because everyone thinks Chris Evans is done. And so I, I was just, yeah, the snap's gonna happen, but the popular characters are gonna survive. Like maybe one or two of the Guardians of the Galaxy will survive or maybe all of them will go. It depends. I did not expect Black Panther, Spider-Man, Wanda, Groot. I, I did not expect any of these characters to go. And I I still hear from my wife and from people sitting around me that were at the theater with us. They still talk to me about how I reacted to these moments. Like Bucky first goes, I'm like, oh, interesting. And then Sam goes and then Black Panther goes. And like my mouth just starts dropping and then Spider-Man starts acting funky. And I went, oh, shit shit pretty loudly in the theater and I think most everyone didn't notice because they were too engrossed in what was going on just like I was and it is just such an an incredible moment and having to wait another year for Endgame to resolve it just 
added to the despair that you felt because again it it's a marvel movie you would expect to walk away feeling pretty good about yourself or at least satisfied and then you get the snap and you're just like what now it's almost kind of a really neat experience of its time because even now you can just go on to disney plus and watch them back to back but like you said having to wait an entire year for it to be resolved or just to see how things are gonna go was oh god that was such a long wait (laughs) but also the dead silence in that theater i have never felt air so dense and heavy in a movie theater before from what was going on and like you said people just watching you could hear every heart snapping (laughs) into two or more pieces it was just incredible it was like i said there was almost no plot armor the main avengers cast obviously stayed at the time there was a lot of media attention about how oh chris evans might not have renewed his contract he's done so yeah i was expecting cap to die in this not seeing him go but seeing other prominent people like black panther and spider-man uh and i think all of the guardians except for um rocket right because that was another like oh shit moment was the fact that they actually killed gamora like she was dead even before the blip when thanos sacrificed her that broke my heart (laughs) i have a thing for green girls i'm waiting for she hulk and then they got rid of gamora and i was like well then i guess i don't get any green girls in my mcu so (laughs) (laughs) marvel twisted the dagger on us twice with that in the in the end credits you get thanos will return not the avengers will return like they had in every other movie and then in the follow-up which was only a couple months later with ant-man and the wasp you get the post-credits scene where hank janet and hope all dusted as well and you're what's going to happen to scott why is he in the quantum realm what's going on how is he going to get out so they twisted that dagger a little extra just there and then again they there's the other post-credit scene of the ant just playing the drums while everything in the world is going to <laughs> well, hell. Don't forget the end-credit scene of the actual movie where you see it affecting the entire world, and then who disappears but Nick Fury? Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. The the lead into Captain Marvel as well. Yeah, Maria Hill and Nick Fury. So yeah, their entire infrastructure is gone because Tony's on a different planet. Plus, the Avengers are technically still disassembled. There, we don't know what the hell's going on, and we don't know what's going to happen when we come back to Endgame in a year. And I don't think I watched Infinity War on Blu-ray until just before Endgame came out because again, it was such a harrowing ending. I wanted to rewatch it, but it, it's. And it sucks because it is such a fun, good movie the whole time through. And then you get to that last 10 minutes. Oh, and and then don't forget the whole entire Thor fight leading up to that. In the theater, there were cheers and whistles and everybody going like, yeah, woohoo. And then he misses. You should have aimed for the head. Ah! Yeah, it's, it's such a well-built moment. But yeah, it was hard for me to rewatch it too. Plus, I mean, it's a long movie, so I definitely wanted to watch it right before we went into the theater to see Endgame. That is definitely, to bring it up again, you know, there you had your first oh shit moment as a kid. I had mine a little bit later in life as far as video games go, and both of those moments for us is what changed our perception of that medium. I think kids who grew up with the Marvel movies and even like younger 
to mid-teenager age who saw this movie, I would not be surprised if this is their moment, especially with comic book movies, which, let's be honest, they tend to be very formulaic. You can o- you, you always know that the good guy's gonna win in the end. There might be some negative consequences, but he's gonna win. And this was that movie nobody won at all. The only winner was Thanos, and even for Thanos... He paid a heavy price. He did. It wasn't like he was happy to kill half of the entire population of the universe. He genuinely saw it as martyrdom, as something he had to do in order to save life in the cosmos. While he won his goal, he isn't a winner. You know what I mean? It's it's a very bittersweet, if not devastating, ending. Well, that'll do it for us here. What is your wrong choice in what is the biggest oh shit moment in entertainment history? Did you see it in our previous honorable mentions? Did you hear it in this list? What is your favorite moment? Feel free to like, comment. I'm not going to push you to subscribe because we don't have a lot of content coming out at the moment, but we will be trying to continue to push out content as often as we can and as is convenient for our regular lives. Beppo, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your thoughts and joining me for this. You can feel free to pimp your social media as you would like. Yes, it's always really, really fun to record with you, Josh. Sad we don't get to do it too often, especially after the events of 2020, but it has been absolutely fun to do this with you and I look forward to doing more. As far as social media, I'm just kind of getting started. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter. I'm just Beppo, B-E-P-B-O. I make art for fun. So if you like what I do, go ahead and give me a follow. Um, And I eventually will have a YouTube channel uh, that I will link in my Twitter as well. So just keep up with me and for any updates. You can follow me at Josh underscore Scar. You can also follow Talking Smack at Talking Smack Pod. You can also follow the YouTube channel and our Facebook page. We appreciate you taking the time to look at our list here. And again, if it's not on the list, you're the one that's wrong. Mark, thank you so much for doing the editing and you all have a great day.